Okay, I think we're recording, aren't we? I think so, yeah. Okay, so, and we're recording on the other thing too. Um, hi, I'm Philidor. And I'm Clara. And this is a sheep staring at me. A podcast on history, culture, literature, geeky things and life in general. And, and this is our first episode. Ever. Um, so yeah, basically I asked a bunch of friends what we should talk about in the first episode because well, we're both completely clueless, to be honest. Um, and some friends said, um, yeah, just because it's the first episode, talk about how you met and then, um, I don't know, language. So that's what we're going to do. Um, Basically, what we thought is we're both going to say, tell from our perspectives how we met. And yeah, do you want to start, Clara? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> what I've noticed with us is that where we met and since when we're actually friends differs. Um, we've known each other for six or seven years, I think. And we've been proper friends since a little over one. Yeah. Which is amazing to me that it's such a short time, actually, but the last year seemed like 10, so it's fine. Um, so we met at school. And funnily enough, I couldn't never properly remember seeing you there because you were one of those people that I always saw, but I didn't know the name of. And if I did, I forgot it again. But you have a stronger memory of me at school than I of you. So we weren't yet friends, but we knew of each other and we had friends that knew each other. And um, so we were not in each other's focus as much, but we knew of each other. And then we met again at uni and had one course together, which was, I think, Utopia. And in that, we also didn't talk to each other. But I saw you and I thought, wait, you know that one, you've seen her somewhere. And for the whole semester, I thought, where have you seen her? Um, and then we had another course together in um, the winter term of 2019, 2020, yep. um, where we quickly became friends. I think without making it fast, we just sat next to each other and started talking. And it was a matter of fact, conclusion <laughs> to all of what happened before. So, um, well, my version isn't much different, but um, I remember because I was new at school for the last three years and you were a year above me, so we didn't have any courses. But I knew you knew some people I knew. God, that was a lot of news. Um, and yeah, so I kind of was aware of you. I, I was like, I, I didn't know your name. No idea back then I, I had no idea and then we talked I think in your last week at school because you wore a, a Star Trek uniform at one of the costume days yeah and <laughs> we talked about that but that was like 10 minutes and we still didn't know each other's names and then I went to uni and I was too awkward to ask you hmm? what and I was too awkward to ask you I was too awkward to ask after your name. Yeah, me too. <laughs> like, it was just so weird. 
anyway, so, you know, after that, I went to uni and I saw you on the bus and on the train and in the buildings. And I always said hi or nodded. So that, that was like, yeah, okay. Probably lives in the same city as me. So makes sense. Was it the same school as me? Okay. And um, then I noticed you in a course that we had together in Utopia. And I still was like, I was there with friends and it was just, um, yeah. Again, it was too awkward in a way. And um, then um, friends who own, a a friend who owns a shop, um, who's also a friend of yours and your mum's, I think. Yeah. Yeah, well, knows them, knows you at least, you know, knows my mum too. Um, She and another friend who uh, helped and worked there as well um, told me, hey, don't you know Clara? She's going to Norwich. I was like, uh, who's Clara? (laughs) (laughs) And then basically, um, I don't know, then I kind of found you on Facebook and sent you a friend request. And then I knew that you also studied at uni. And then because I saw that you were one of two people that were already in the room, I figured might as well sit with her yeah and finally talk because apparently we're supposed to be best friends but don't know each other so you know it was the logical choice (laughs) not much to lose either because I I was there alone and I didn't know anyone else in the course at that point and later either I didn't know anyone I knew one other person but also she I think she skipped the course sometimes so yeah she did yeah (laughs) (laughs) but the one time that uh, you weren't there she was there so that was good (laughs) that's nice yeah that was the time I think I completely overslept which has to happen at least once a term to me (laughs) which is interesting because that cause was it was it a two well then I I'd like to retract that statement (laughs) I did not wait no it was a 12 o'clock and it ended at two yeah because I, I had no anymore. <laughs> I, I had four hours of Dutch after that. So I, I know that Dutch ended at six. So true. Yeah. yeah. Why do I remember details like that? I don't remember. I, I suppose I didn't oversleep, but I mean I and about about that course, it was I don't I don't even know. You said at some point that I talked in Dutch to the teacher and I didn't even realize that I was speaking Dutch. So he I mean, did. I did. <laughs> he he did, and he was uh, well a mix of bemused and amused. <laughs> At least not confused. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So that was basically how we got to know each other, or started getting to know each other. Yeah. And I find it serendipitous that we met before that COVID thing happened because that was the last course or one of the last courses I had in person. Yeah, true. But I had so many courses that term. I mean, I had so much stuff to do. I I think even just uh, language courses, I had two language courses, which is four hours per language course. 
and then ideally meeting up with people still. And so I was there a lot for language courses alone. So it was it was insane. Pretty Absolutely, much. Yeah. And um, yeah, now I do everything in my bedroom. Same. Yeah, so, I mean, I don't mind. I can roll out of bed and just join a course meeting, which is fine. I don't mind. But we definitely wouldn't have gotten into contact with many other people uh, during the last year or with each other. I haven't stayed in contact with any of the people I got to know in the online courses. They're just a name on the screen for me. Yeah, well, I did talk to some because, again, I had a language course um, or several language courses. So that was a that was a thing. You, you need to be in contact with those people because there is an oral exam in the end and you kind of need to try and, you know, actually study for that. Fair enough. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even have graded courses, so it didn't really matter. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So we've covered how we met. Yeah. Uh, so language, um, you did write stuff down. Yeah, I did. As far as I, very well prepared. I'm, I'm not prepared. obvious stuff. I should remember because it's my own life. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think we we didn't actually uh, say what we were studying. I mean, to people oh, who right. know us listening to this, they know. But I am studying. Yes, I am studying English and philosophy to become a teacher. When well, I'm studying history and English, but not to become a teacher. Ideally maybe a lecturer one day but you know I don't really know <laughs> yeah so we met in English courses um, and got to know each other there so and attentive listeners might have gotten by now that we're talking English um, yeah. and British English at that and um, but we're also German <laughs> yeah so uh, do you want to start on how your accent came to be? Oh, that is that is very muddled, um, but I can, yeah, sure. So my my accent Please. was was a weird thing. I was really shit at English. I was really really shit at it in school um, until I was about thirteen. I was really crap, and when I was about ten or eleven, I started listening to folk music mainly the Dubliners, Irish folk music in that case. Um, and so the bit of an accent that I had kind of became really Irish. So I had a really, really Irish accent and it was really, well, the bits that weren't German were Irish. Um, and then I kind of drifted off into Scottish folk music. <laughs> Okay. Um, um, anyway, I drifted off into Scottish folk music, and um, so my accent became a bit more Scottish. But at the same time as listening to Scottish folk music, I then discovered um, watching series and films in English. So um, I think I watched Buffy in English, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, like the whole series and I watched it in English and I kind of figured you know I'm probably going to adapt one of these accents because I just 
do that kind of thing accidentally. And I was 14 at the time, I think. Um, so I kind of figured, it, you know, better the British than the others. Because, you know, the others around here don't, don't sound so professional. I don't know. I felt like they didn't feel as professional or as me as a British accent. So my British accent um, developed from there. And then I kind of got into the Beatles and it got a bit more Northern. And then I got into Doctor Who and it got more Northern again. And then I was, I had a really, really Londoner accent. I don't know what that was about. But then a few years ago, I don't know, 17, 18 or so, I suddenly had this accent, which, you know, was really really northern and it hasn't left so yeah <laughs> yeah same as my posh one is I think for me it was more linear but I can't really pinpoint the beginning for me it actually started with the Beatles I think um but at that time I didn't adopt the accent because well not because but maybe because I was very much mediocre at English at that time. And we're talking about maybe 2010, maybe 2009, yeah. when I got to know the Beatles. And um, I wasn't actually that interested in school English at that time. Now I am interested in the topics that we talked about there, but I needed the understanding of the culture to be interested in the grammar. Um, so my English at that time was fine, I guess, but... Um, <laughs> If I had to put a year on when my British accent started to pick up, I would say 2014, because my English advanced course started and sometime after the course started, someone told me, um, why do you sound so British? And I realized that I had no idea what it was sounding like. Yeah. Um, was it the same with you? Similar. Well, yeah, my, my, it wasn't my English advanced course. It was my English, um, my first English course at the Fichte at our school and um, the teacher kind of took me aside after the first lesson or so and was like why do you have that accent I was like, what accent what yes. what do you mean and he's like you're really British and I'm like, yeah I? yeah I just remember um, hearing the first sentences my new teacher then said in English and I thought I want to talk like that because I was also very aware of difficulties I had in English at that time, which were mostly about reading. I couldn't read aloud very well because I stuttered and swallowed syllables. Um, and I would say the progress from then on was mostly unconscious, but let's call it semi-conscious because I had that awareness that I wanted to speak nicely. And um, we're not saying that other accents and dialects are not nice, but Apparently, my default nice English is a posh RP, Queen's English, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I try to speak clearer, more enunciatedly. And, uh, Orion. Exactly. And I was heavily influenced by series I was watching at that time, which I think were Sherlock, Downton Abbey and reading Sherlock Holmes 
So for me, that isn't a posh accent. For me, it was actually the Granada series that made me like realize the difference of a posh accent um, to its other accents. You know? So I watched um, that at the time. I tried to, but I couldn't understand a single word. I did understand it because I had watched it in German so many times that I I was just I knew what was said so it wasn't a problem but with Sherlock I really had my problems because he spoke so fast yes I had my problems with that too yeah yeah I mean I must have started watching series and reading books earlier than that because I think by my A-level course in English I had gotten through all of Star Trek in English and that takes a little bit uh little bit more than a couple of weeks. Yeah, um, well. <laughs> but surprisingly, I must say, after acquiring an accent so naturally, surprisingly, I didn't get an American accent by Star Trek. Um, so I don't know what it is. Maybe it has to do with the singular sounds in English I was using at that time. Because when I noticed that I had difficulties talking fluently and reading aloud, I... Um, spoke more clearly and at some point I realized that I had lost the rhotic r that I didn't say water anymore uh, but water and as you can hear I also um my t's also became crisper um yeah well I swallowed the t's which is hilarious a very British thing to do (laughs) because my mum at some point um told me Oh, stop swallowing the teas. And I had a cup of tea in my hand and I was like, okay. So that was like, hmm. I think that was one of the most British things. (laughs) Might have been, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So accents. But I do, do you find it still quite easy to go back into an American accent or something like that? It sounds hideous. It is a very good question and it's hideous. I suppose I had sort of an American accent. I also had a phase where I was really interested in American culture and I'm going to be an English teacher. I have to know a bit about it. I was so interested that I wrote a little term paper about the history of marshmallows. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Patigamov, they were originally called. It was a plant in France and... Okay. Yeah, okay. It was Star Trek. Um, where was I? Help. Uh, American accents. Yes. <laughs> I suppose I never had a proper American accent. This is, cl- this is clearly British, but I never would have called my accent American. Um, but I'm lost again. <laughs> the marshmallows really, really made me lose. Made me lose it. Um, Yes, American accent. Um, When I do try an American accent, it sounds hideous because I actively channel the, what I feel is the strongest accent and what had the most influence on me. Um, And that is some kind of mixture between Dr. McCoy and Forrest Gump. (laughs) I can say things McCoy says in Star Trek things like damage jay mom a doctor not an escalator and i apologize to all americans that may in the far future listen to this <laughs> personally and personal apology goes out to aaron i'm sorry <laughs> um 
I mean, at least it's two southern states. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah. It does entertain me, but as to the question, I do not have an American accent. I sometimes have the character of an American accent. Um, about dialects and accents, they mostly focus on Great Britain, um, which leads to some confusion because um, my accent also wasn't always Southern British or RP. Um, there was a time when my accent apparently sounded Scottish or Australian for the first 10 minutes of me talking because I was asked in the <laughs> first two terms at uni, um, did you spend uh, time in Scotland or Australia? But that, that still happens with you. Um, either when you're really, really tired, I think. I mean, the Australian, I think, happens when you're really, really, really invested in something. I don't, I don't know. But um, it kind of yeah. sometimes happens. It comes through. Um, and also like, get this lilt in my language. You know what I mean? Putting more vowels into a word that need to be there, I think. It's just that. It's that kind of thing. It makes um, a lot of sense because I started elongating my vowels when I noticed I'm just muffling my language. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, and the Scottish, I think, comes through when you drink. <laughs> it does. You can ask Lovis. Shout out to Lovis. We were walking along a quiet, dark theatre street in Norwich, and I had had something. I The fact that I don't remember is doesn't have to concern you. I just don't remember. I can remember everything that happened, just not what I had. It was some some cocktail okay with strawberry in it I think um and she 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 got in stitches over that I cannot for the life of me do a Scottish accent when asked but apparently after a certain amount of alcohol it does it does hit me yeah well with me my accent just gets you know with with uni things it gets really posh um, I'm now just getting into my normal accent right now because the Zoom thing really triggers me as uni thing. So I get really posh. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when in company and when speaking English um, in a friend group and maybe even drinking doesn't need to be a part of it, I get more Northern by the second. It's genuinely, it's so, it's so weird sometimes because... I just speak really fast and really northern, and sometimes people don't understand me. I mean, you know How that. Does because I noticed that um, when people around me talk in dialects or local variants of accents, I get even more posh. <laughs> but other people, I have become more the local variant, and I get the poshest I can be, and I don't even do it on purpose. <laughs> I don't do it in, uh, on purpose either. Um, I it, also, if I'm like hanging out with friends and they're posh, uh, or I don't know, American or whatever, um, I get more northern. But if I'm watching an American TV show, you know, anything really, um, just for myself, um, then I become more posh. I think because I. I don't know if it's an inherent fear of suddenly becoming American or something. It's just, I don't know. It's just much to the pride of my favorite American. I have acquired 
according to her, some American slang. Because sometimes I'm talking to her, I say things like kinda and like and sorta, but- Doesn't have to be American. Doesn't have to be American. Um, but she's very proud of that achievement of hers. <laughs> well, I'm That's true because I noticed how unchangeable and firm my accent is otherwise, so that she managed to slip a couple of phrases in there is remarkable. Well, I think that's just, that's just normal. I think that just happens if you speak with someone quite a lot, you just acquire some things that they do. For example, with my best friend, we've been friends, I think in August or so, we'll be friends for seven years now. Mm -hmm. um, so since I came to the school, and um, yeah, basically, she has some mannerisms that I adapted for myself. Or um, I don't know if I really adapted the same mannerisms, but they feel like they're the same mannerisms. Or some, um, some words. I, I never said ditto ever before. And then I was friends with her for like three weeks. And suddenly I used the word ditto quite, quite a lot. Yes. So, empathize with yeah. that. Empathize. So, shout out to Neela on that one. <laughs> so. Shout out in this first episode. Shout out a lot of them. But they are formed us into what we are. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I like it or not. <laughs> um, yeah. Basically, I, I think we talked a lot about accents now, but. Um, so because people don't really know us at this point, unless they already know us, what a sentence. Um, I guess there's some, some weird stuff to get to know us. Um, I, I don't know why I thought about that at some point and I wrote it down, but um, we asked ourselves the questions, what are the most terrifying album covers that, we, that we've ever seen? basically, and which, you know, to even it out, which is the best one? So, um, yeah, I guess they're LP covers, because I'm pretty sure that they'll be of older music, so, <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah. I guess with the most terrifying one, I'm going to start because I have a feeling you might rant. So, <laughs> the most terrifying album cover, I have ever seen is Build Me Up Buttercup by The Foundations. Um, I think not the single, but rather the actual album because it's a, um, it's a daisy flower, you know, it's a daisy, but it's just the, um, just the form of it and a kid's face in it. And it's not specific, it's just a face in it. And it's the most creepy thing I've seen. You can research that. I've googled it if you google um build me up buttercup album you will find it i regret to say i found it yeah it's um <laughs> it's really terrifying and i i mean i had one of those moments i was on youtube and i was you know listening to music and i kind of just um didn't really look at it and i tapped on the next song and it was build me up buttercup and i didn't really look at it and it was one of those videos where there's just an album cover in the middle and then I made the mistake of looking at my phone mm -hmm. and got the shock of my life so 
yeah so what's yours well the first thing that came to mind and I I don't actually remember if that is a single or a compilation album but it's Yesterday and Today by the Beatles oh yeah I think it's an it's an American could be yeah Um, I've got it on my phone I know that much but um, I think it's I don't have the picture and it scared me Um, (laughs) I mean a good runner-up is News of the World by Queen that big robot holding the members of Queen in one hand and falling down is slightly disturbing but even more so the Beatles one because it has this randomness to it and I don't understand. I I think I haven't seen it can you like somewhat describe? Well the Beatles are sitting on the album cover um they're all clothed in white and I think it's supposed to be surgeon's gear. And then there are these baby dolls and they are on on laps and they don't even hold them. But I think John has a head or an arm, something on his shoulder and there are limbs scattered about and they're neatly placed, but um, very much not like a baby should be placed. Um, And I, I want to say there's artificial blood, but that might be my dramatic memory. <laughs> I think I remember that too, but I, I, I mean, I, I know which picture you mean. Yeah. It, it, it is disturbing. I have to, I have to. I interesting that both of our, both of ours are to do with babies. <laughs> <laughs> I have to say to that, I'm genuinely, generally not afraid of babies. Yes, you know, if, if, here. If, we are not afraid of babies. I mean, if, if they pointed me, maybe, <laughs> you know, might be, depends on the yeah. baby, really. but uh, genuinely, that is disturbing, yeah. Anyway, so um, to make it, it better, what, what, what is your best one? Well, that was interesting because the first thing that came to mind was one that could actually be counted among the most disturbing ones. But I like it among the best because it is interesting. Um, And that is The Miracle by Queen. And um, the faces of the Queen members morph into each other on the album. That one, yeah. It is creepy, but it's not so pulled out of context. It it sort of makes sense. Yeah. In in a way, it makes sense because, you know, it isn't one of the very first... I think albums it's it's more in the middle there so if you buy that one you know which band queen is so so you know what to expect and you're not creeped out by it so it it kind of makes it better I think yeah (laughs) but for me the best one I I couldn't really decide I have to say I, I couldn't decide because they're both Jethro Tull albums um I couldn't say that um, Stormwatch and Broadsword and they're like I think people talk about them as the best album covers ever at some point somewhere I don't know I've been told that at some point but I really like them they're, they're really cool Broadsword has these like runes and stuff and it, it's a really cool it's a really really cool cover and Stormwatch just has this sailing ship 
on it and it, it's really it's slightly disturbing but in a in a really good way I think I get yeah. it I had the same feeling with the miracle yeah um, no but with the with the ship it's because it's a ship in the middle of a storm hmm. and that's why it's disturbing because it looks really real so it, yeah. it's like oh <laughs> so yeah um I like the album covers where I can look for things I just really yeah. With the miracle, I like to, I, I always like to see where the eyes of one member ended and where the eyes of the next one started because they did that really well. Yeah, I, I remember looking at and at least honoring. Sorry? I, I said I, I remember looking at that for a while, but um, what did you say? And uh, an honorary mention uh, to that topic is, of course, Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Um, because I really like to spot people I knew on there. But then again, I almost knew no one there. And I had fun seeing that the Beatles were standing next to their own wax figures. But ultimately, this has to go to the miracle. <laughs> yeah, well, um, and I've been, uh, we've been talking for 33 minutes now. So not a bad time at all. I, I guess we were we were worrying about being done after 15 minutes. I was worrying about it already having been one and a half hours. My my time perception is a mess. No, I mean I, I've got a um I've got the clock running here in front of me, so I always had a bit of a feeling. Um did we forget anything? You mentioned the keyword catchphrases at some point <laughs> yes um just uh, on the topic of uh, languages if we have certain it's called catchphrases um things we repeatedly say um also known as catchphrase um and that may be influenced by other people talking to us more frequently but i have noticed that a hyperfixate on things i read in novels and then take those things and say them all the time. Um, for example, I am not a very idiomatic person. I usually say things like they are, and I don't use idioms. But I have two or three that I use all the time. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong there, this is solely my uh, subjective perception of not using idioms, or maybe my hope. Um, but one that I keep using, at least nowadays, is going down the rabbit hole. Yeah, that's true. You do that a lot. Yeah. And I, I mean, really use it and, and go down the rabbit hole, you do both. Um, exactly, I mean, it, it makes sense, but... Yeah, no, I, I think out of the two of us, I'm the one who uses more idioms. You are, definitely. Definitely, yeah, because you, you just say things like they are. Um, mostly you just use the scientific word, so to say, for whatever, really. Um, and I usually, I don't know, I'm not good at talking to people. I mean, I am good at talking to people these days, but I was really shit at talking to people. So I never knew how to explain things. And I got really flustered really easily, not because of topics, but rather because of yeah. social situations, not even anxiety, but just situations and people embarrassing me in situations and they shouldn't have done that and yeah that's not nice. yeah 
I think for me, it's, it's actually a very similar reason. I mean, people didn't make fun of me, but um, I didn't understand idioms and I still don't. I can look them up and I can understand them, but I do not prefer them to just saying it how it is. And I, a lot of mishaps happen when I start to use idioms without looking them up first. For example, the two nice idioms um, will cross that bridge when we get to it and burning bridges. I've been known to say, we'll burn that bridge when we get to it. And to be fair, I might've also read that on the internet and picked that up, but um, it's a mishap that happens so frequently that I've decided to just continue using it because it is human nature to burn the bridges. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I think where my use of, use of idioms came from was basically, um, I think watching a lot of QI and, you know, listening to a lot of stuff that Stephen Fry narrated, narr narrated, my goodness <laughs> me. Um, for example, um, also the phrase, my goodness me, is something that I, I don't know, I watched so much QI with Stephen Fry that I just adapted that. Yeah. My goodness me. <laughs> and, and describing things as quite something is, is very, yeah, but the use of idioms really came from me not knowing how to describe feelings or what feeling what was. So I didn't know what I was feeling, I guess. And so I described other situations in which I felt like that or um, scenarios that came into my head. And so I described those and I was like, it's like that. And then I kind of would get to the idiom from there. And if something similar happened again, I would just simply use the idiom. So, yeah. And I'm probably idiomatic in behavior, but not in language because the very scientific language comes from watching Star Trek. And if that isn't the whole idiom that I refer to Star Trek when I don't know what to say, of course, it's, it's always relative. That's a very crass way of saying that. Yeah, but Star Trek also taught, I mean, even just um, the original series and Next Generation, they talked about everything they they had you know next generation they had data who didn't understand feelings so they had to explain them to him so it just you know it makes sense it does yeah i have to say it does <laughs> yeah i well i suppose we should wrap it up now because yes. otherwise we do close the hailing frequencies. Hmm? we should close the hailing frequencies we should yeah um so this was a sheep staring at me and yeah we see you sometime in the future i suppose i, d I don't know when genuinely hopefully not in the past <laughs> i mean that would be interesting but um maybe we'll go to the past topic wise i don't know we might do that maybe. <laughs> so, Let's see what